We keep them down here. There are some simple rules which we insist you follow. Do not touch the glass. Do not approach the glass. You pass them nothing but soft paper. No pencils or pens. They have their own felt tip pens. No staples or paper clips in their paper. Use the sliding food carrier, no exceptions. If they attempt to pass you anything, do not accept it. Do you understand me? Yes. Above all else, never forget what they are. And what are they? Friendables! Two friends talking about Hannibal Lecter. Hello. Hi. Um... Hannibal's not here. No, this is, um... This feels weird. It does feel weird. Yeah. Uh, there, there are rights issues involved. And, and we are discussing the first and only season of CBS's Clarice. Mm-hmm. As the title would suggest, continue the uh, adventures of Clarice. Mm-hmm. Post Silence of the Lambs, pre-Hannibal. But given that the Hannibal Lecter character and a lot of the, pro- the various ancillary ideas surrounding him are specifically not Silence mm-hmm. of the Lambs material... Yeah. It's part of the reason why Clarice never appeared in Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Everything that's left over, essentially Krendler, Buffalo Bill, yeah. Ardelia, yeah. Clarice, obviously, and the, Ruth, Martin. Ruth Martin and Catherine? Catherine Martin. Yes, I couldn't make like I know there's 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 two of them. Either of the Martins, very specific yeah. Silence of the Lambs characters mm-hmm. all get dumped into this. And this show in particular, it was almost alternate history oh it's, it's, we're gonna talk about oh, alternate yeah because yeah because yeah, yeah, there's like certain things yeah. but also like it took me a second to kind of reorganize my brain because the first mm-hmm. episode i was like okay i'm kind of like and i'm like I, I i know what people have said about it and i was like all right i want to give this a shot first episode etc and i was like okay this isn't bad it's weird because like there were certain key elements of a hannibal show or at the very least a hannibal lecter universe kind of thing that I was expecting Mm -hmm. that they didn't hit. And it took a second for me because, like, something feels off. I was expecting this or that or, like, different types of themes and motifs, and none of them are present. And it hit me on the second episode. I'm like, oh, these are just Hannibal characters, and this is not a Hannibal Lecter universe show. This is just a... Mm. This is, like, somebody really wanted to make Criminal Minds, and they just were given the Hannibal Lecter characters to use. Yeah. (laughs) Like, this, this, like, this show felt different, in terms of even just, like, beat and story point and, like, emotional connection and stuff like that. Like, they, they had them in a slightly different order that it didn't feel like it was Hannibal Lecter Universe. It was a really good procedural. <laughs> it was a whole different show for me. That's that's the thing where I kind of, like, anything that involved the big arc of the series, mm-hmm. the, the pharma yeah. uh, uh, conspiracy... Mm-hmm. Or any case of the week they did, yeah, completely disinteresting to me. It, it was like any other show. It was yeah. exactly like Criminal Minds or CSI yep. or anything like that. Whereas Hannibal definitely brought something new to that framework. Right. This was just that. Yeah. No. Yeah. This was a procedural show. Yeah. This wasn't even a. Yeah. This wasn't a Hannibal. I like it, but I love procedurals. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, and like even the Buffalo Bill parts were way more about her overcoming her trauma, which, let's face it, Hannibal Lecter 
the show and the person, not known for wanting to overcome trauma. Right. Kind of just wants to wallow in it. Or so weaponize fact, it. Or weaponize it. So the fact that she's yeah. like actively seeking good therapy help yeah. is like, this is definitely not a Hannibal Lecter show because you're you're convincing us to get better. And on That's th- not what Hannibal do. On <laughs> What's us worse? <laughs> on those fronts where it deals with the aftermath of Buffalo Bill yeah. and the aftermath of the Martins and all that, mm-hmm. I think it's a very good... Lecterless, see, I yeah, and yeah. it doesn't really get into that until like episode nine. So right. I am putting up with the show for okay. about three fourths of the run, and then by the end of the episode nine, I was like, okay, yeah. let's let's talk more about this. And it talks about the implications of the Buffalo Bill case and what they mean for trans people. Yes. Oh my god! That I, I was, love Julia. Yeah. Home. Yeah. I, I was like, that is. A better sequel, dare I say, than Hannibal, either the book or the movie. Yes. They said the quiet parts out loud. Yeah, yeah. And I, in some of the best ways I've ever seen in television. Like, for procedural shows, they tend to be propaganda, for sure. Sure. I mean, like, even Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which I have a very special place in my heart, is a little bit propaganda. This show, as much as it's still definitely about, like, law and order and justice... There's an active racism suit and a yeah. harassment, and then like you, sh- you, they show that, like cops are bastards. Most of them are corrupt. Like I mean, they really weren't pulling punches with the whole like, the whole even the senators. Like you can't trust them because right. of this and that and the other. And I was like, I don't think I've ever seen Law and Order talk about that. True, true. <laughs> you know, uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine would. It, yeah. It, toward the end, it definitely confronted its own right. questionable trappings. Yes, yeah. I still say if they just completely pivot over to like just being USPS, no one, <laughs> no one would care. They'd just be like, they would have been fine. Just, yeah. Other just, shows have done that. Postal workers now. Yeah. yeah. Same the, dynamic, same names. They're just suddenly working at a post office. They definitely tried to tur- turn Paul Krendler into a latter day Ron Swanson, and yes! and that was like that's not that character's role. Like I get right. you couldn't use the name Jack Crawford, but don't right. call Paul Krendler Jack Crawford. It's like, they wanted Jack Crawford, but they, yeah. Yeah. It was like... That's where I was like, it's alternate history. Because yeah. Yeah. Paul Krendler is supposed to be the corrupt dickhole. Cor- corrupt, but also disgusting. Yes. At, at every possible turn. Yes. But yes. here he is... And then now he is like... Grumpy, but ultimately wants yeah yeah like like, starling i want you to do well be like i think you've got a lot of potential kid i just don't want you to fuck it up like (laughs) did they already start eating his brain i don't like is it a long brain yeah no it wasn't i mean i liked the character that they had yeah i really liked it was jack crawford but yeah yeah it was jack crawford yeah yeah who you know is going through a, a, a weirdly nasty divorce and has great kids yeah yeah, couple of weird things in this show. Okay, so yeah, I don't, I don't, don't like the uh, the Krendler of it all, dear listener. You're gonna have a hard time l- following around along with this show because be, this episode because this show has disappeared from the world. Oh yeah, it was a co-production. It was a it, it was an MGM production because they mm-hmm. own the Silence of the Lambs rights. Yes, produced for the CBS television station. Yeah. Or a television network. Uh, it didn't do so well in broadcast, but it did fairly well on Paramount Plus. Mm-hmm. To the point where it did well enough on Paramount Plus that CBS was like, okay, let's do a second season. It's only going to be Paramount Plus. Mm-hmm. And MGM's like, no. Mm-hmm. Because now you're seeing 
this is kind of where the streaming wars have kind of started is that these entertainment conglomerates want their own streaming platform for the material that they own. Got, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, so so MGM would much rather have their own streaming service. Right. And, okay. Then produce stuff for another streaming service. So it unraveled to the point where it did insanely well on Paramount Plus. Uh-huh. And they were going to do a second season and MGM's like we're not we're, we just don't want to. And it, it, and so it's going to be a one and done. A- and that would be one thing, but leave season 1 on Paramount Plus for people to watch. That's just content in the bank. It's off there now. Oh my gosh. We I had to go Search for a DVD box set of season one. Kids, ask your parents what DVDs were. They were like the internet, except on metallic discs. <laughs> I would look into owning them because streaming yeah. services love to take their shows off streaming. So where the hell are you going to get them now? Where's my soapbox? <laughs> <laughs> we are sitting in the middle of my suspiciously dense <laughs> physical media collection. <laughs> No, really, having a backup copy, a physical backup copy, means they can't take it from you. If you love something, own it in a real... Put it in a cage and never let it go. Yeah, yeah no, exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's. I'm pretty sure that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know why they let me keep my DVD collection in the Baltimore State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. It's calming. But they did. Yes. With that framework of, of the DVDs, the end credit music for the the show is also on the DVD menus. Oh, yeah. And it took me a long time to get through the show to the point where I heard that DVD music, menu music, a lot. And I got really, really sick of it before everything was done. So much so that, like, my notes on the last episode are mostly last disc, last episode, let's do this. I mainly have to hear that closing theme one or two more times. And my last note about the whole show is never again with that fucking music. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I like Shotgun the show because, like like I said, I like procedural, so I went through this pretty fast, so... I'm, like, barely even remembering what it... Because also, I skip the end credits. I'm like, yeah, whatever, credits, next episode! <laughs> so, like, I need to maybe re-listen to those. I'll YouTube it. I'm not going to, like, yeah, play it. Yeah, you're not missing yeah. much. Yeah. I actually like the show. Once I could organize my brain into accepting that this wasn't... Like, to me, this show is not part of the overarching Hannibal Lecter universe. This is, like, a... Yeah. This is an alternate universe fanfic. Yeah, especially within the context of this. Now, if they could have had some detente with the rights and brought Lecter into the show right. in a later season... Then maybe we can discuss... But if, that, they, yeah. if they were going to get that done, they just need to do Hannibal Season 4. And th- this show did not earn its Hannibal-level reputation. Right. And I'm also pretty sure... I have this conspiracy theory. Okay. Um, That this show only exists because they wanted to make sure that Brian Fuller could not get Clarice rights. There's that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it goes Because I'm pretty sure we were getting kind of close there with the, uh, the copyright turnover. And, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, yeah. they're like, we're going to do Clarice as a show. And I'm like, mm, it, yep. It goes deeper than that. Um to sort of dovetail into one of our other network's shows. So Brian Fuller obviously wrote and much of and created Hannibal. Yes. My favorite. Yes. <laughs> uh, excellent show. He also wrote the pilot for and created Star Trek Discovery. Oh, yeah. 
Fuller was fired from Star Trek Discovery after the pilot because there were production delays and he had other shows that were going on. Was it a firing? Was it a mutual thing? Uh, debatable, but th- there de- definitely seemed to be some bad blood there. Yeah. And another writer, producer, Alex Kurtzman, took over really the entirety of the Star Trek franchise at that point. Mm-hmm. He just basically stole the show un- from underneath Brian Fuller. Oof. Who is the co-creator and showrunner for Clarice? Alex Kurtzman. Oh my god. Alex Kurtzman is coming for all of Brian Fuller's what toys. What happened at the water... What happened in the break room? Oh, to have that security camera footage. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> oh yeah, my god. That, you mentioned a conspiracy. Like, I think there was definitely one guy who was this like, is... I'm taking all of your toys. Oh my god. I'm like, I'm collecting it. I have like weird Hollywood conspiracy theories, like, mm-hmm. like based off of yeah. different things. I'm like, yeah, this is this is going high up on that shelf. This like is, this like is... I don't? I mean, no, no, no. But like, yeah, <laughs> my whole career is that. I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh god, have you heard about James Gunn killing Scrappy Doo on purpose? <laughs> I, I, I believe it. I believe it. Oh, I'm going to send you a video. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good and probably true. I'm one of them youths that does all the fanficker kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. I'm on the AO3, <laughs> and. Uh, I only know what some of those words mean, but continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe somebody in the audience knows uh, what I'm talking about. But anyway, this had a real big vibe of writers are together. They've already written a show. And they're like, yeah, I've got this procedural. And it's going to be about, like, this young up-and-coming FBI agent. And, like, that had, like, that got, like, real famous or something for other reasons. But, like, now they have trauma. So it's actually going to be a show about, like, working through your trauma. It's going to be really cool. And MGM comes up and it goes, like, cool, I need you to assign the names in this order. Right. And they're like, "Uh," be like, we'll pay for everything as long as you call her Clarice Starling. They're like, isn't Clarice Starling, like, a Hannibal Lecter character? Like, yeah, but we're not talking about him. And we're like, I guess we'll just find and replace. You can refer to him in 20 words or less, but you cannot use his name. Yes. Yeah. And that's exactly you can, you what can we talk got. talk around him. But yeah, it was it was like, it was a Criminal Minds Hannibal Lecter AU. Yeah. Like, it was actually exactly. way more, like, it's just the names of the characters, but they're given completely different personalities and completely different roles and archetypes to handle throughout the, throughout the show. Except for Clarice and Ardelia. They feel they were, they were pretty on point. Yeah. yeah. We are up against our commercial break. I have a couple more thoughts, obviously, about the show. The whole show is going to be about this. But let's just go ahead and go there. It's Eris's Recipe Corner. Food to help you work through your trauma. Or maybe extend it. This is a breakfast recipe that I have recently. Mm. Still perfecting, but this is kind of where I'm at now. Um, I, I like this one. It's a casserole, which is a thing I never thought I'd catch myself saying. But my God, I really like it. It freezes really well. So you can like actually just keep them in your... And then mm-hmm. eat them uh, when you are very tired from a late night of doing whatever it is you do and you just you just need a little energy in the morning to get to get going it's weird how like homicide just doesn't fit in with a good nine to five schedule god there's so much night work not with that attitude it won't that's true i really (laughs) need to find a job that starts at like noon that's that would be better anyway so here we go breakfast casserole i like to use oh so i love cornbread but sometimes I'll make a lot of cornbread and then I I, I, flew t- I fly too close to the sun and I overestimate how much cornbread I can physically eat before it starts going bad. So we're going to use it up in this breakfast casserole. You have about 
half a loaf of cornbread, like four cups cubed or so, like say that's about the uh, much, more or less. I've done an entire loaf, but like it does get very bready. But yeah, just like use up your leftover cornbread. About a pound of like bulk breakfast sausage. The cornbread's already baked. Go ahead and already fry up your sausage. You can add chili powder and different spices. Like just, just spice it how you normally do. You know, like salt and pepper minimum, please, for the love of God. And then in a bowl, you're gonna do two cups of milk and six large eggs. And you're gonna just whip them up into stir until well mixed. Yeah, it's gotta it's gotta be all the same. Uh, take your casserole dish, nine by thirteen, good size. Grease up the sides because you don't want that cornbread to stick. Otherwise, you're never getting it out. And you're just going to layer the cornbread, your sausage, the egg and milk mixture, and you're gonna top it with a whole bunch of ch shredded cheddar cheese. And you cook it in an oven, three hundred seventy five degrees for about twenty minutes, and it's amazing. <laughs> you can also do this in like little breakfast tins or a little uh, mm -hmm. muffin tins. Make sure you do cup liners because it's so much easier to get out and then just do a little bit just the same thing same thing but put them in, in the muffin tins and that way they're a little bit easier to portion out. Um, you end up making about like 24 that way and I obviously don't cook them for 20 minutes. Um, I've had really good luck with around seven to eight but also my oven tends to run low so you may want to keep an eye on it uh, at five minutes if you're if you're oven hot runs a little bit hot. Those are my breakfast recipes. And that was Eris's Recipe Corner. Put Food. it in your mouth. We thank you, listener, for joining us on our journey through uh, the basement of the Baltimore State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. You might enjoy other podcasts from PartyApocalypse.com, including uh, The Holodeck is Broken with both myself, Eris, Producer Z, hey, Producer Z, hey. and occasional guest producer, Laura, they air on Fridays, usually immediately preceding ours. Our schedule got a little fouled up with COVID uh, lately. We uh, all got it. Pretty much. Yeah. And, uh, not from each other. Not just from at each the other. same time. Yes, which is strange for Omicron being that close. Omicron 5 is a terrible variant. It's, it's, it's more virulent, but I, I yeah. think we hacked it pretty well. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. It could have been worse. There's also uh, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods with myself and friends of the show, Donna and Kenzie. <laughs> and uh, they air on uh, opposite weekends, although their schedule is a little up in the air. For this fall, you know, there's always going to be some kind of show on PartyApocalypse.com. Mm -hmm. I just don't know exactly when they'll air. Maybe here in a couple of months, the schedule will uh, settle down again. But we're still putting out shows. We're still here. We are still here. Uh, can't get rid of us like a fungus <laughs> other uh things on the website include uh producer z and eris's old show uh as the myth turns the uh fourth wall in its entirety books blogs movie reviews uh the end <laughs> <laughs> Uh, more shows will be coming in the new year. I think we've kind of halfway given a green light to to at least one show, mm -hmm. and I'm getting very close to the idea of really wanting to push for another show, although uh, testing the limit of shows one man can edit reasonably <laughs> feels dicey. This is more therapy talk. Anyway, Eris, <laughs> say something. Do you have anything to plug? <laughs> Get a library card. Yeah. For those of you who are not currently straight into a room, um, <laughs> also, you have freedom. If you do, you should. 
Oh, the yeah. American Library Association says even if you're locked up, you should have access to oh, library materials. The, 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 uh, the way you go about getting them could be slightly different. Sure. But if you're of the, the mobile type, a little bit able to, to move of your own free will, um, go visit your local library branch mm-hmm. and apply for a library card. A lot of times, um, it's, it's something that has come up a lot is people assume there's a membership fee involved. That huh. membership fee... Um, if it's your local library, it's almost always already paid for. You've already paid it through your taxes. And almost every public library is supported by some form of tax, yes. either sales or ad valorem, which is the property tax. And Tulsa, where we are mm-hmm. really, is mostly the, the property tax. So all, if you're renting, you're getting that shit for free. Yeah, it's all property tax. Yeah. yeah. Or if you work because it's like your employer is is paying yeah. the property tax. Yeah. Um so yeah, look into it wherever you are, figure out how to get your library card because you've probably already paid for it. You just didn't realize that. And, and for you bougie people that do own land and you think, Oh, I'm not using the library, I don't want to pay for the bullshit. Look at the amount of property taxes you're paying every year and see if you can get more than that value out of your library because I guarantee you you can. We do free classes, we do free programs, we do we have a lot more than just books. We have different types of books and it's not all like the stuff you read in school. We have books mainly for pleasure reading. We have video game programs. We have uh, different types of 3D printers and things like you could have stuff made at the library for you. If you really wanted yeah. to watch Clarice, it'd probably be the simplest way to go to your library and try to get the disc set there. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I think with that, we'll go back to our episode. I have two specific notes about Clarice. Things I think they could have done, or maybe even were thinking about doing, and should have pulled the trigger. One is pie in the sky. Probably was never going to happen. Because as Clarice goes to reunite with her mother in the season finale, I was thinking... Is Jodie Foster gonna be behind that door? And I was oh, like, so I was like, that's too much to hope for, right? And it was because, like, obviously, that's too that like it was unreasonable to. They left that door for it because we never got to see the mom. It's true. Maybe it's true. that's what they were trying for. They were like, look, we're gonna need at least three months, so we're gonna go ahead and end it. If the show's a big then, hit, maybe we can yeah, get Jodie Foster yeah. to come in and uh, do the thing, or Julianne Moore. We can meet in the middle. They had the foot in the door for that. They yeah. just hadn't quite gotten all the T's crossed and the I's dotted yet. They made such a meal out of Clarice switching therapists yes. in the middle of the season. And the new therapist was a woman roughly her age, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit older, of Asian descent. Yeah. I was hoping that she was Lecter and Murasaki's <gasps> kid. That she is literally Lady Lecter. That would have been the reveal at the end of the season. They could have done it. They could have done it. And they could have even done it and kept in their framework because, like, oh, yeah, he was my father. Don't even say Lecter. Because then the implication is once he's incarcerated and then pretty much yeah. dubbed incompetent by the state yeah she becomes if she can prove her parentage even if she's just made lady murasaki's kid yeah she would be the inheritor of the lector estate because lady murasaki was married to the only the only like thread i want to pull on this sweater yeah because i do like this sweater i like how it's shaping out i just this is just the metaphor i'm going with Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'm really into knitting lately it's calming uh, I don't know how they get you, why they gave you needles down here. But I know, especially after that third guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever, it's fine. But she's Chinese. 
in the show. Specifically? The, 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 she, who? The, 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 the therapist. The, yeah. Did she say that at some point? Maybe that's when I let go of the illusion. Just yeah. I, When I first saw her, I was like, oh, ah, ah, I ah, think ah. that's a fantastic idea, but it would require like some or just dropping the Chinese thing. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it could be yeah. that maybe she decided... Like, she's in, like, a witness protection kind of thing where she changed her name and then yeah. decided, and she was like, well, I already know Chinese, so I might as well hide out. Because essentially she was, like, in Chinatown. Right. Um, I missed the the explicit mentioning of her being of Chinese descent. Yeah, it was it was implied very heavily when Clarice is kind of grilling her uh, about the whole, like, I hear a suburban accent. And it's like, but I do yeah. speak Mandarin. And, I, and, yes, yeah, yeah you're, you're right. That, that didn't connect for my brain. Take that out. Could have been a real dope season finale moment. Right. That would have been really cool. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of questions that were left unanswered. And, of course, I I mean, I, I said it before. I like the show, but, like, I like the therapist. I'm like, oh, i got to know about your Burns, girl. I, know, I need to know what your trauma is now. Well, yeah, because they're leaving it in there that right. there's something fucked up going on there. Right. But they never come back to deal just, with that in any, in any like, meaningful way. Girl, just trauma dump on me. The audience is ready for it. Let's yeah. go. I wasn't sure I was completely happy with what they were doing with Clarice Starling's dad. I think it fit. Mm. I think it fit the even the original book because there was yeah. something kind of hinky going on with her father. And there was definitely like so much of her character is the idea of her father is what drives her. But the idea is not her father. Like right. She has built a completely different human being in her mind. To like assign value. She's to mythologized him. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so, and then like you know, and even Hannibal Lecter breaks it down in the book, and he's just like, "Are you sure he was a sheriff? He wasn't just a night watchman, you know, kind right. of thing." But then they kind of like they they twisted it further in the show, mm-hmm. where it's like not only was he a night watchman, but he was somewhat corrupt. Yeah. Uh, definitely had like these literal back alley dealings of with who knows what drugs that he was trying to cheat off and like that was implied why he died. It wasn't just like he stopped a robbery. It was like at the by the last episode they were really heavily implying that that's why he died. Yeah. Is because he was involved in yeah. whatever criminal shadiness and that like yeah. And I was like was that necessary for mm-hmm. her? I mean it was it was enough just to be like, here's a little kid whose dad died when she was young. And so her memories of him that she's built up in the in the preceding years is different from the person he actually was. That's enough to be traumatic. To be like, I never really got to know my father because he died when I was eight. And I don't know. They just like, I don't know. I, I wasn't thrilled about what they were doing. It was definitely dramatic and interesting but i wasn't sure it was like it seemed like too much <laughs> of all the things done to clarice starling <laughs> like, yeah. post silence and lambs i i get what you're saying it felt tacked on and and unnecessary i i think it's the new way to try to poke a hole in 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 clarice's self-mythologizing yeah because hannibal obviously does it as well just yes. by you know, turning the FBI against her and, mm-hmm. and, and and that sort of thing. But it, it doesn't go anywhere. It just yeah. creates angst for her for the sake of angst. Exactly. Exactly. Which maybe it's is more like- realistic. I think that's where most human angst is. But uh, it's I'm watching TV. I need it to lead to some sort of catharsis or an anti-catharsis where things just get worse. Fictional characters are fiction for a reason. Yeah. Because they are... They are in some ways a reflection of what we need that architect to be. 
they're not real people. Yeah. That's why they sometimes do things that, like, well, a normal human being wouldn't do this, but this character does, because otherwise the story wouldn't go forward. You know? It's just the nature of writing. But when you see those seams, it's not so great. Yeah. And that was where I think, I think for me, I saw that scene really heavily. Yeah. And I was just like, huh. Okay. God, I love Catherine, though. Yeah. Fuck, Catherine was so good. Like, if that was the show... I would be way less reserved about my praise for it. And I was just like, I'm really intensely interested in Ruth Martin, but as soon as the mommy-daughter shit started coming out, I was Mm -hmm. like, I am here for this drama. We talked a little bit about alternate universe thing, but Mm -hmm. as a... referencing a fan fiction construction where you're, you're almost a fictional character remix. Yes. Alternate universe in a number of other ways because this is supposed to be 1993, but there are any number of things that are so aggressively not an, uh, not 1993 <laughs> that I just I can't even with it I mean, on I'm some level. I'm pretty sure she found the mom on Facebook, and I'm like, okay, there's that. Uh, <laughs> like Facebook wasn't invented yet, but let's go. <laughs> Ru- Ruth Martin's secretary has the only haircut that I even slightly believe came from 1993. <laughs> A lot of tech things are weird in there. At one point, Ruth Martin says, I'm going to go work from home. And I'm like, yeah, okay, this is a show in 2021. I get that, but it's 1993. There's no working from home. Ruth, how? Right. Are you going to go sit at home and think about law? It's just... I mean, maybe. (laughs) She's going to make some phone calls from home. I, I, even yeah. then, I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah. It, yeah. But and this is a complaint I have about anytime cell phones uh, show up, even in current day stuff, mm-hmm. the the connection is perfect. And I'm like, we really actually haven't mastered cell phone technology because oh, yeah. I have yet to have a cell phone call that didn't make me want to jam my head through a wall. Yeah, and. Here, it's just clear as day. And in 1993, that's not happening. Oh, God, no. No. no there's, there's, there's a reason why there's that joke with the whole, like, you're going through a top, top, I can't hear yeah. you click. The aesthetics. <laughs> I got real good at that growing up. I really did. <laughs> of the pharma company are very 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a bunch of references that actually turned out to be okay as I looked on it. So good on the show. But I, other than... Episode one, a title saying 1993, very little about this felt like it was the early it 90s. Was modern, it was modern yeah. day the whole time through. Yeah. 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 Really bugged me a lot throughout the whole show. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else you got? I think um, that's mo- most of my notes there. I mean, I have, I have little things here and there. Um, I really liked how so much of this show... Was about how, hey, Clarice, your mental health is affecting your job. I just dug that. I really did. And it was like things I needed to hear. Be like, hey, maybe your mental health, like maybe you might not be like confronting that thing, but it's definitely spilling over and dealing in like completely different areas of your life. I mean, every single time, like that, I think they make the connection pretty early on, even with the old therapist, with the fact that she never calls for backup. Yeah. And she just, she always goes in alone. And I'm like, God, that's so self-destructive. I wonder why. <laughs> you know? Because and, that, that's the way Dad did it. Right, yeah. Because, like, uh, anyway. So I just, I I really liked that. There was, like, so many, like, little bits that I that I really liked. The, 
what they were saying. And I loved everything with Ardelia. Yeah. God, I think Ardelia, Ardelia was, so was really well cast. And I think the actress they've got to play Clarice does a pretty good job. I almost yeah. believe her as the Clarice of Silence of the Lambs, the movie. Yes. Rebecca Breeds uh, is the actress's name. Mm-hmm. More than I did say Julianne Moore in Hannibal. Julianne Moore was fine in Hannibal. Right. But I didn't see the connection between Moore, Starling, and Jodie Foster's. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Starling. No, that that is absolutely true. I think toward the end, like the plot gets big enough, and and she becomes famous enough again in the whole mix of it. I was again drawn back, like Lecter isn't checking in, right? With it, like that's yeah. where it gets super AU that it's not like Lecter's because the whole conceit about like the book Hannibal uh-huh. and even the movie to a certain degree is that uh, Starling becomes notable again, and that. Tempts right. Lecter out of his hiding to a bit exactly. to at least reach out. Yes. And in the book, I mean, uh, Crawford's there, and Crawford doesn't have anything to say about Starling it, it, when right. she gets this big. Hannibal Lecter's not coming back where the show ended. Like, there, there's just, he's, they've completely written him out, and nothing can be done about that. Unless they somehow get the rights and they were going to do it in season two. But, like, this is, the, yeah, this was very fanficy because it's like, even the ending for Paul Krendler. The way that the show has now gone would not be the same. Right. Because the only way Clarice would have allowed any of that to happen is if she still had a profound, just like, apathetic disgust for Krendler. And there's no way that she can have one now having had this relationship where it's like very, like, vaguely paternal. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah. Starling has her. No, she definitely has that issues. Yeah. But like Krendler was seemed to be fully willing and capable to step in the role as her father figure. There's no way that she's going to eat his brain now. <laughs> right. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be like Parks and Rec ending with with uh, Leslie Nope eating Ron Swanson's brain. Exactly. And that yeah, just feels just thematically very, wrong. Right. It just feels very. Yeah. Yeah. There were several things that actively made me very anxious watching this show. So good. Good on the show. Yeah. Uh, the the moths like in right. kind of I think it was season or episode three moths definitely gave me anxiety I absolutely had a whole like rage attack when Joe Hudlin dead named Julia and I was like I'm gonna come for the TV boy <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh hold him down girl I'm gonna get him for you <laughs> I mean it was actively uncomfortable but yeah there was there was there was a lot of evoking of emotions in the show and I. That's that's good. Not every show can evoke an emotion out of me, so... The other weird anachronism, now that I thought about it, just to go back to that topic once more, um, it was very much established that uh, Ruth Martin was a Republican in Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. And it's now established that she's the Attorney General in 1993. My political science brain was like, uh, how did... Why did Clinton... Appoint a Republican to be AG, but that's a different yeah, podcast. Different yeah. Anyway, <laughs> oh, I liked how at the very end she came for the senators, like, and she even like including myself. We need to investigate myself, but I was like, it was very wish fulfillment, yeah, in some ways because I'm like, that's never gonna happen, yeah. But at the same time, I was like, ah, oh, I did just want to see it once, even if it was only on TV. Did the uh, therapist's office also give you Han- like Hannibal the show vibes? Like it seemed. Very much based on Hannibal's office in Hannibal. Yeah, just the, the aesthetic. Maybe it was too modern of a of an aesthetic, and it, which therapist? Yeah. 
Both, actually? Even the, the one in episode one? probably more. Yeah, maybe but so. But then again, the first therapist was absolutely Brian Metcalf. The actor. Oh. Or, 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 or like, he was in Hannibal. The, act, the same uh, actor played the lawyer in Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. And I was just like, ha ha! Like, I, I did the full laugh and everything. <laughs> <laughs> we are running out of time. Do you have anything else that you want to add about uh, Clarice? Yes, intensive yeah. therapy at gunpoint. Yeah. End of statement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of the lines in my notes, and I was like, yeah, that's basically what it is. <laughs> it, you know, I think when they initially said it several years ago that American TV was going to do stuff based on the Hannibal Lecter books, this is what I expected. Yes. Which I think brings us to the point of where we go now. Right. We are going to go backwards a little bit. We wanted to end strong, so we will be uh, beginning our uh, episodes covering the 2013 to 2015 three-season Hannibal uh, from Brian Fuller, who we discussed earlier on the show. I'm looking forward to it. As of this recording, I'm about 80% of my uh, my way through the rewatch on season one, and definitely enjoying it more. Mm-hmm. It's a show filled with subtext. Yes. And not the subtext you're even thinking of, because the fandom <laughs> wants them to kiss real bad. Hey, Brian Fuller does too. So. And, right, and, and that's you, Dancy, and Mads. So I'm just gonna be like, everybody wants them to kiss. We're and, all on the same page. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but it's not. It's not clear in the first season. It's yet. so much more interesting if we move beyond the kissing. Yes. Oh that, yeah. Here's my preview of my first thought. Hannibal knows he's been caught the moment that he meets Will Graham, and he is delighted. Yes. It will, we'll expand on that later when we start talking about Hannibal Season 1. <laughs> and... Bye! <laughs>